Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Welcome. Those of you who are here with us in person, oh my goodness, you made it here in person. Listen, the plows may have forsaken you, but God has not. He is here with us. He will not forget you or abandon you. I am so, look at the person next to you. Those of you in the room, we'll get to you online in a second. Uh, Turn to the person next to you, look them in the eyes and say, you're an overcomer. You're an overcomer. You made it through maybe two inches of unplowed snow, but hey, you you are an overcomer. And for those of you uh, joining us online, I am so glad that you carved out this time to engage with God. Listen, this is really, really, really important. All seriousness, um, I I know that all of us are are carrying so much. Uh, All of us are are holding so much right now in our lives and have so much going on, so much we're trying to figure out. And it's no small thing that you would carve out this time, whether it's here in this room or online, to engage with God. And my hope for you today is the same every day and every time we're together. My hope for you is that you would hear from God today, that you would experience his love and that you would get exactly what you need from God and more than you could have imagined. So I'm so glad that you're here. However you're here, if you're listening to us later online, I'm just so glad that you are here. My name's Jared. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City, and we've been in a great teaching series over this whole month of January called The How-To for a New You. And if you missed any of the weeks, I would encourage you to go back and check online or check the pod to to catch up, because in, in week one, we talked about how while resolutions and goals and dreams are great, what you really need for your life is a vision. You need a vision. You need a God-given vision for your life. And we, and we gave a next step. Jeannie, uh, my wife and the co-pastor here, created a vision guide. Over 700 or so folks downloaded that to get a vision from God, to hear a word from God for this year. That's pretty powerful to consider. And then in week two, John talked about how your vision, your purpose needs a plan, that every God-given purpose needs a God-driven plan. And we told you about this next step in partnership with the Patterson Group called our Life Plan Launch Cohort. And uh, this is what's so amazing. The, the, the life plan process is what Gene and I did about 13 years ago that led to this very church. That process led to this church. It is a powerful process of listening to God, listening to your story, and really putting the pieces together to move forward with vision for your life. And Patterson has now made this available to all of us at a very, very significantly reduced price. And so if you're interested in that, if you're like, yeah, I want some vision, some direction for my life, they're a great organization. Uh, We're going to be closing up registration here this week. So if you want to do at least just scan the QR code and kind of get some information on that. We'd love to have you join our cohort as we kick that off into weeks. And then in week three, Pastor Kelly talked about how you need to surround yourself to see the vision that God has for your life come to fruition. You need to surround yourself with support. And uh, last week we kicked off our groups here at Soul City. And in less than a week, over 500 people signed up to be in a group, which is a big deal. And I just want to say to you, Soul City Church, way to go. Specifically, way to go after God. You can cheer for yourselves. This is all about taking next steps in our relationship with God. To see our groups fill up so, so quickly says to me that we are hungry, not only for community and for connection, but to see God change every aspect of our lives from the inside out. You are starting this year strong. And this weekend, as we close out this teaching series, I I want us to walk through something that I believe kind of brings it all together, sort of weaves it all sort of together. Something that I I think can kind of reframe how you look at God, how you look at 
yourself, how you look at this year, how you look at how you treat others. It's honestly something that I can't recall ever hearing about in church growing up. I was a kid that grew up in church, and I don't ever remember hearing what we're about to look at today. In fact, just, this is just a quick poll. No, like you can put your hand up in the comment section online or put your hand up in this room. How many of you grew up in church or are currently growing up in church? Students, just raise your hand right now. Okay, so right, just different stories for all of us. I was a kid who grew up in church, but I had a double whammy. I not only grew up in church, I grew up in church in the 80s. So I heard a lot of things when I was at church. Those of you who were kind of old enough to remember, I heard a lot about the rapture. The end was coming, and I had to be ready for it at any given moment. I learned about how true love waits. I learned about how the devil has really, honestly, let's be honest, all the good music. I learned a lot of things. I heard a lot, no, let's just be honest. I heard a lot of things in church, but I did not hear what we're going to talk about today. In fact, in some cases, and I don't mean any disrespect in any way, what I heard was actually kind of the opposite of what we're going to be exploring Today. See, today what we're going to go after is why at times your life can feel so fractured. Anyone relate to that? It just feels so frazzled and, and, and fractured, like you're constantly trying to just keep up, you know, or, or get by at kind of at best. Why life can feel so confusing at times or so complicated. Life just feels extra complicated these days. Today we're going to look at what is, I honestly believe, the single greatest thing you can do for your life. More specifically, the single greatest thing you can do for your life with God. And it all kind of revolves around this honest question that I think we need to ask. Could it be that the reason your life is feeling so complicated is because you've been living your life so disconnected? Could the reason that your life feels so kind of complicated and convoluted is because without maybe even realizing that you've been living your life sort of disconnected from what matters most. Anyone know that feeling where it feels like you're just kind of disconnected? All the parts don't seem to line up. We're in a season right now with our kids. They're both teenagers. And so we are in full, like we are full-time Uber drivers for our kids. We are taking that. Any parents have been through that season or know about that season? Yeah, we're, that's it. I mean, it's the level of coordination between, we need to hire support just to manage our schedules, to manage their schedules. Like it's a lot. Like, okay, I'm taking Elijah to basketball. Okay, are you taking Gigi to volleyball? Oh, but Elijah, he's got to go to the doctor. And so, and so we're kind of all over the place at all times. And I'm going to be honest, our kids have not given us great ratings on our Uber score. I... I want to talk to them afterwards about that. But the, the, the time where we you know, can feel so disconnected with all these different complicated full schedules, the time where it feels connected is when we come back together. We have dinner together as a family every night. And it's hard to manage with practices and all kinds of different things in school. But that's when we get to come together. And that's very important to us as a family because without it, our, our, our lives will just sort of spin out into disconnection. That's just kind of the way life works. And I'm, I'm sure that you can relate at some level to that, whether it's with people in your family or with your schedule or with work, or just even, I think more at a deeper level with your soul, how it can feel like there's so much going on and you're not sure where it is. You're all over the place, but you don't even know where it is you're going. You may not even know where it is you're at. I know I've felt that way. So what if you could actually like live with a clearer, more connected sense of self? What if that were possible? What if you could live more fully and, and, and freely within the will of God for your life? What if you could actually live your life with God and with others more easily? Wouldn't that sound nice? To live more easily and authentically with God and with others. What if it all came down to just one thing? One thing that could honestly, in my opinion, change everything. 
If you want to know what that one thing is, I want to encourage you to grab a Bible and open to Mark chapter 12. If you are here in this room, there should be a Soul City Bible. It looks just like this, either on your armrest or under your seat. Go ahead and grab that now. If you're with us online, go ahead and open up a tab to Mark 12. In the Soul City Bible, it's on page 824, so that'll help fast track you there. Page 824 will get you there in the Soul City Bible. Uh, Mark chapter 12. Let me give you some quick context as we come into this one thing that I believe could change everything and bring it all together, the way that God actually created you to live. Quick context. We are well into the public ministry life of Jesus at this point in Mark chapter 12. He'd gathered quite a crowd of folks following him and interested in every word that he said, the miracles that he was performing. But he also garnered the attention of the religious leaders of his day who you think would be excited about Jesus, but they were not. They saw him as, as honestly nothing more than sort of like a existential threat to the pretense of power that they imposed over the people that they were in charge of leading. And in this moment in Mark chapter 12, we see that Jesus is in yet another sort of theological debate with these religious leaders. They love to try and, and trick him and trap him in theological debates. And, and while this event is recorded here in Mark, it's also actually recorded in the gospel of Matthew. And each of these two accounts gives sort of unique details into the conversation as it occurs. And so we're going to dive into it. We're going to pause, take some notes, do all that kind of stuff. Sound good? Well, we're doing it anyway. Uh, so, all right, Mark chapter 12, verse 28 says this. It says, one of the teachers of the law, so this is one of the religious leaders, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Now, I just gave you some of the context. Them being other religious leaders having a theological debate with Jesus. He heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he kind of chimed in. He's like, all right, I'm going to step in the ring with this Jesus. I want to give it a go here. So he asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which one is most important? Of all the commandments, Jesus, if you're this great teacher of the law, then what's the most important commandment? Now, this is actually one of those like trick questions. You ever had like a trick question where like you didn't realize you were answering it maybe the wrong way because you didn't understand the question? This is a trick question. Like this, okay, real quick. I want you to turn to the person next to you and answer this real quick. And I want you to put your comments online right now. Just put your uh, answer in the comment section real quick. Okay, I'm just going to do two of these. All right, so we'll get back to the text in a minute. Uh, how many months have 28 days? Go ahead and turn to the person next to you. How many months have 28 days? Go ahead and turn to the person next to you. How many months have 28 days? Yeah, I mean, it should be a shorter answer than what you're giving. Yeah, it's just, the answer is all of them. All of them have 28 days. If, I know maybe you thought February, because we're coming. It's all of them, even in a leap year. They all have 28 days. Uh, all right, so that's, like, that's a trick, right? You know what a trick question is. Okay, I'll, let me just give you one last one, because I had a lot of fun kind of looking up these, this last week. All right, this is the last one. Okay, get ready. Turn to the person next to you. Okay, imagine you're in a room that's filling up with water quickly. It's filling up with water quickly. There are no windows. There are no doors. How do you get out? So imagine you're in a room that's filling up with water really quickly. There's no windows. There's no doors. How do you get out? Turn to the person next to you. Quick answer. What's the answer to that question? Online, go ahead and put your guess of what, how you would answer that trick question. Imagine that you're in a room that's quickly filling up with water, no windows, no doors. How do you get out? Do you know how you get out? Stop imagining. That's literally it. You just stop imagining that you're in the room and you're out. I mean, there's literally, that's a trick question. Some of you are only going to remember that from this message. That's what you'll share at work tomorrow. It's a trick 
question. Now, again, those are silly, simple little trick questions, but according to Matthew's account, uh, this was a theological trap. And in some translations, this religious leader, they also use a word that intonates that he was a lawyer as well. So he's really going to try and trick and, and, and trap Jesus. And what he's trying to get Jesus to do by asking him, what's the one greatest command is to get Jesus to diminish any one of the 613 laws and commandments that God had given throughout what we call the Old Testament. See, by Jesus just giving one, that would mean that he would diminish 612 other ones. So he's trying to trick him. He's trying to trap him. He's ultimately, what he's trying to do is back Jesus into a corner. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Nobody backs Jesus into a corner. All right. So uh, kids, ask your parents about that reference. All right. So we get to Jesus's answer in verse 29. It says this, the most important ones, Jesus says, oh, you want to know what the most important one is? All right, here we go. Jesus says this, here it is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now we're going to get to his answer in a second. This is his preamble. This is how he sets up his answer of the one greatest commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is what? The Lord is, say it again, the Lord is one. Now that just put a pin in that because just real, we don't have a ton of time to get into this. But for those of you who are Bible nerds, John Jorgensen, uh, for those of you who are Bible nerds, you'll know that what Jesus is doing here is he's quoting the Shema. He's quoting one of the most sacred and holy texts and prayers for Jewish people. Everyone would know what Jesus is doing by starting here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I want you to put a pin in that because we're going to come back to that in just a second because, as you will see, it's all connected. Moving on to verse 30, we get Jesus' answer. He says this, Love the Lord your God. Now, I'm going to pause. You're going to shout back. You're going to type in the comment section. Love the Lord your God with all your what? And with all your... And with all your... And with all your strength, this, 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 Jesus says, this is the single greatest thing you can do with your life. This is the single greatest commandment. Love all of God with all of who you are. Love all of God with all of who you are. Your whole self, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, that wholeness, that whole self. You were lovingly created by God to love God. And please pay attention to what Jesus says we're supposed to bring all of ourself to. It's to love God. It's to love God. Jesus didn't say, fear God with all your heart and with all your soul. He didn't say, obey God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength. Give to God with everything that you have. No, 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 no. What does he say? He says to love, love, love God. All of those things and everything else finds their place within the context of love. Love God with all of who you are. Not with some, not with part, not when it's convenient. With all of you, at all times, all of God. Think about it. This is the greatest thing Jesus says you can actually do with your life. It's to love God. That's so important and significant to get. In fact, I want you to think about those words, I love you, how significant those are. Can you remember, for those of you who've said those words to, to someone else, like the first kind of romantic time you said those to someone, can you remember the first person you said those to, like other than someone in your family, right? Can you remember the first time you said, I love you? That's a big deal. Can you remember back to who that was? It's a really, really, really big deal. The first person you ever said those words, I love you too. Do you know what's amazing? I love this. This is so cool. It's part of our story. Do you know that I'm the first boyfriend that Jeannie ever said the words, I love you too? 
I remember exactly when it happened. We were on the phone. We dated long distance, and we were wrapping up a phone call. And we, I was just a normal, like, phone call, long distance call, because long distance used to be a thing. And so we were wrapping up, and, and at the end, she goes, okay, I love you. And I was like, whoa, whoa, we're there. All right, we are there. First guy that she ever said the words, I love you to. Isn't that special? Isn't that kind of sweet? Like, we could say that. Me, on the other hand? Man, I was throwing those words around like salt on ice. I was saying them like a girl looks at me twice at the roller rink. I love you. I mean, literally, like a girl asked me to play tetherball at recess. I want to marry you. I love you. I can see us together. I really, I did, I was all in from the jump with those words. I gave them away way too quickly, way too often. Look, different stories, okay? Just different stories. There's no need to judge. So imagine saying those words to someone for the very first time. You, saw, you finally say it to someone, I love you, and to only hear them reply back to you, yeah. I mean, sure. I love you. A little, I, I guess. That's not great, is it? That relationship may not go further than that, right? You imagine, I mean, some of you may have actually even experienced it. You know how that feels. Or, or to love someone with, with your words, but to not love them with your actions. Or to love someone physically, but not to give them a second thought. That's not love. That's not how it works. And yet, let's be honest, isn't that so often our tendency with God? God initiates his love to us. And what do we do? We hesitate with our love for him. God initiates his love towards us. And we hesitate. We hem and we haw. And yeah, I mean, I guess I love you. Like with this part of me, but not this part. I'll love you with this aspect of my life, but not that aspect of my life, God. This is what I believe Jesus is actually getting after here in this passage. Why it's so important. Listen, God lovingly created all of who you are to love him with all of who you are. God lovingly created all, every part of who you are to love him with all those parts, with all of who you are, your whole self, your full self, every part of that's why Jesus says, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, that means your emotions, your thoughts, your actions, all of you. What's the one thing that changes everything? Loving all of God with all of who you are. It will change everything in your life. That's why Jesus says, yeah, this is the greatest commandment. So back to the story. Remember, this religious leader tried to trap Jesus by asking him what the one thing was the single greatest thing that we can do. And Jesus is like, no, I'm going to give you two for the price of one. So he goes on in verse 31 and says this. The second is this. Love your neighbor as who? As yourself. Love your neighbor just like you. Take care of them like you would take care of yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these There's not one thing that you can find more important than these things. Love God with all of who you are and love others as yourself. Love God with your whole self. Love others as yourself. Jesus says, that's it. Now again, you Bible nerds will know that Jesus is actually pulling from the Old Testament here. Specifically, he's pulling from Leviticus 19.18. And he's taking the old law and he's giving it new context. He says, listen, this is what it's all about. It's all about love. Loving God with all of who you are and loving others. Essentially, what, what Jesus does is he sums up all of this in like 15 seconds flat. 
He's like, look, I don't know if you like, here's the, if you haven't read the whole book, TLDR, here's the deal. Love God, love others. That's what it's all about. That's what it can all be summed up. Love God with all of who you are and love others from that same place. It's all connected. It's all spiritual. It all matters. And it's ultimately all about love. That's it. Now, remember when I told you to put a pin in that one little beginning part where Jesus started to do his answer in verse 29? Let's Let's jump back there to verse 29 and, and, and pay attention to why Jesus opened with the Shema, with that part of that prayer that everyone would recognize. Remember, he said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is what? The Lord is, say it again, the Lord is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, in the original language that this was written in, you can kind of translate this sort of, take two sort of different paths with how to understand it, because it doesn't quite line up with our language today. And, and so the two ways that you can sort of slice that phrase, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The first one is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is our one God. In other words, in, the, in, in all these gods, all that other people have and all these other religions have, this God is our one God. That's one way of translating. Another way of translating is also that hero Israel, the Lord our God, is one whole, complete God. In other words, God's wholeness and holiness are inseparable. You, you can't it's just, it's all together. God is, is, is perfectly three persons, three parts. You know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know that that's kind of how it works within the Trinity, and yet one, whole, complete. God is whole in his holiness. And, and if you and I actually are, as Genesis 1.27 says, created in the image of God, then wouldn't the same be true of you too? That you're created to be one, whole, complete, that there are many parts of you. That's why it feels so complicated all the time. There is lots going on in you and around you and with you and all the relationships you have to navigate. There are many parts, but you were actually created in the image of God to be whole, to be one, to be complete, not disconnected, but interconnected. And yet that's not always how it feels, is it? At least for me, that's not, I don't always feel like I am in oneness with myself and God. It feels like chaos some days. Just trying, again, to keep up. Just trying to get by. So I think for so many of us, what, the way we tend to, to view our, our lives is we tend to think of them sort of in, in, in segments and, and sections, right? I think most folks approach most of their lives and they tend to think of the aspects of their lives in terms of of categories, or, or in this case, containers, right? Like there's kind of these separate containers to our lives. We have kind of our emotional health and we have our mental health and we have our physical health and we have our spiritual health, right? And, and what we so often do is we, we segment and, and we separate these parts of our lives and we view them as separate entities. And so wouldn't it make sense that when it comes time to do things or when you try and do things like goals and, and resolutions or, or when you hit some of life's challenges and life's setbacks that we tend to just think of these things, well, I got to fix this one part of me. That's what I need to fix. Just this one part of me rather than thinking of the whole, how does this affect all of me, the wholeness of me, so that I can actually live in oneness? You know that, that when it comes to your emotional health and your mental health and your physical health and your spiritual health, you already know that there's things that you do that actually can help grow that and foster healing and transformation, and there are things that can hurt it and harm it, right? You know that, right? 
There, there are things like counseling. I've been doing counseling for 20 years. I added it up the other day. I've been going to counseling for over 20 years now. And you know that every time, for those of you who are in therapy or have started counseling, maybe because of this church, you know you've pushed through maybe some cultural barriers or some personal barriers. You've pushed through. You've seen how it has added to your emotional health, right? It has helped you. It may not, not every session is like a breakthrough from God and angels come down and talk to you while you're on Zoom with your therapist, but you know it helps, Right? And at the same time, you also know that, listen, you also know there's things that, that hurt your emotional health, like, I don't know, toxic relationships and staying in them and giving them power over your life. That is going to greatly hurt your emotional health or judging or limiting your emotions, suppressing your emotions actually hurts your emotional health while expressing them and giving them room and bringing them to God. That actually helps your emotional health. You know, there are things that that work that way, right? That help and that, that hurt. The same is true of, I mean, I can just go down the line of your mental health, right? I mean, like, think about it. Again, counseling, massive help, right? It's been a huge help in my life and so many people's lives, right? You know that, that, that things like isolating, pulling away from people, hiding, not sharing, that hurts your mental health. You know, things that like prayer and meditation and medication can actually make a significant difference for your mental health. But then there's things that we do without even thinking twice about it, like, like doom scrolling Instagram. That's just like, that's not, that, it's not gonna help. It's not gonna help. I mean, it's not gonna, I'm just talking, I'm speaking for a friend. It's not gonna help. It, does, it doesn't help, right? So, so you get how that works. There's things that help and there's things that harm. And you know the same is true of your, my, your physical health as well, right? You, you know that, that Eating healthy and drinking lots of water and getting exercise. These things are actually like not that expensive or con you don't need a membership to drink water. And so like we, you know, like, you know, there's things that we can do that actually, that actually help your physical health. They make a difference. And yet you also know that there's things that can, that can hurt your physical health, like excessive eating or excessive drinking or excessive anything can hurt your physical health. And in the same way, I guess it could be said of your spiritual health as well. You know, my hunch is that you would not be here or you would not be worshiping with us online if you didn't know that things like prayer and worship and, and, and getting together like this and reading God's word and hearing God's word taught, that massively helps your spiritual health. Amen? It makes a difference. You wouldn't be here if you didn't believe that. Things like joyfully and generously giving to God, they actually grow and help and even heal your spiritual health. But you also know that again, things like isolation, hiding, unhealthy habits, or let's just call it unconfessed sin or untransformed sin can hurt your spirit. Now we get this, right? We get how this all works. And, I, and I, the reason I wanted to point out is because I think this is how so many of us try and like manage our, our lives is we're just constantly trying to like take care of each one of the parts without recognizing the whole, myself included. At our best, maybe we, we, we try and, and, and pay attention to each of these areas as best we can, taking ground on some days, losing ground on others, experiencing growth in some seasons, experiencing setbacks in others, we can distract ourselves and even exhaust ourselves with all of this kind of energy in our lives, all the while unaware of just how connected, how interdependent each of these parts actually are with each other. Forgetting or, or even without realizing it, neglecting 
that our emotional health is directly connected to your mental health. And your mental health is directly connected to your physical health. And your physical health is directly connected to your spiritual health and vice versa. That's just how it works. They don't exist outside of each other. That's not how it works. That's not how you were created by God to live. And again, look, some of you already know this at a like, deep level. You've experienced this. You know this to be true. Think about the last time that you experienced this, a significant setback or a letdown in your life. Some, a wall that maybe that you hit. And, and, and tell me, it may have started in one of these areas. Tell me it didn't start to affect the rest. You've already, you know that, right? I, I mean, I think about, like, per, okay, so personally, um, over, over Christmas break, uh, Omarion made a visit to my house and uh, <laughs> I got COVID and, and I have, listen, I am vaxxed. I am boosted. I mean, I'll take shot, shots of the booster. Like I'm, not, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. Okay. I, it's not an issue for me. I've played it safe, done the mask, done all the things. And still somehow it, it, as it did to so many people here in Chicago and around the world, you know, this variant got me. And the, the bummer was I, I was kind of feeling sick. And so I was testing that week because we had Christmas services. I was negative, negative, negative. And we had one last uh, home test left. I think it was the last home test in the world. Um, I think, sorry, we had it. Um, and it, uh, it was Christmas morning. And I was still not, I was telling Gene, like, I don't feel good. I don't feel great. And so we'd kind of gotten ready to do, we'd made the breakfast and we were about to do the presents. All the kids are there, the presents are out and stuff. And I'm like, you know what, real quick before, I'm just going to take this test real quick before we get started. Guess who got the first gift that year? For positive test. And I had COVID. And we had a real uh, dilemma in our house, you know, because I mean, I come back, I see the positive test and I'm like, oh, what do we do now? And everyone's like, put a mask on. That's what you do right now. <laughs> And then like kind of real unorganized way, there was like a vote, you know, of like, oh, are we going to kick him off the island? <laughs> are we going to put out his torch? <laughs> and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just going to share the truth because we're in church. There's only one member of my family who said, no, he should stay with us. And he knows who he is. Yeah. <laughs> That's a real one up there. <laughs> Within five minutes, I was in the basement. <laughs> Doesn't matter that we had the same amount of votes. The women outruled us, outnumbered us yet again. So then I spent the rest of Christmas break in the basement. And I'm, I'm so grateful, again, because of the precautions we've taken. I lost my dad to COVID. I don't take it lightly. And I know many of you, almost every single one of us has lost someone. So I don't take it lightly. And I'm grateful that, that my symptoms were not that severe. I'm grateful that within a couple of days, I was up and Adam. I'm grateful that our family is healthy, but I'm not going to lie to you. It sucked. I want to be really clear. It sucked. Is that a Christian word? Can I say that, Alex? <laughs> okay. It sucked. Because what started out for, for me as a physical, you know, I got this virus, you know, physical, and I, I was feeling it physically. Oh, it, it was not long before it began to affect the rest of these areas. It wasn't, I couldn't isolate it. Because yeah, I was feeling physical symptoms and I was down in the basement, but guess what began to happen shortly thereafter? I began to feel really sad. I, I began to feel shame, like I let my family down, I ruined their Christmas break. We had all these fun things we wanted to do and now we kind of had to stay tight and kind of stay together. And 
they were upstairs and I was in the basement and at night when they would go to bed, that's when I would go upstairs and like scrounge for food, like some kind of raccoon, just, you know, cause they, were, they weren't in the room, you know, it began to, I, I felt sad. I felt really sad. I began to think about my dad. I began to think about how I wish he would have had the vaccine and how I wish that would have been available to him. It wasn't long before I was pretty angry at God. Oh my gosh, how could you do this, God? On Christmas break, like these are the days I get off and this is how I have to spend them. Started physical, within hours, it affected every part of me. And I know you know that that's how it works, right? We actually like intuitively know that that's actually how it works. Maybe you've lost someone that you love. It's a relationship maybe that ended or maybe you physically lost someone, they passed and, and you may have told yourself that, well, this is just sort of an emotional thing. This is just, you know, I, I, I'm grieving. That's emotional. But you began to see how it began to affect your thoughts and maybe depression began to set in or despair. And you began to notice physically that you were feeling sick or maybe a loss of, of appetite or you were eating to compensate the feelings that you were feeling and that loss, you see how it, and then, and then it's God, you're angry, and how could this happen to me? And you see, you've, you've probably experienced it. Or maybe you're, you're someone who's holding and navigating depression or, or anxiety right now, and, and you may be able to tell yourself, well, that's just something in my mind. I just need to think better. I need to get clearer. You know, I can, I can do this. And, and, and you may convince yourself that, but you know how it feels in your body, don't you? And, and people who don't hold it or carry it, don't know what you physically carry when it comes to things like depression or anxiety. How tense you can feel at times, how you're constantly just feeling tense or on edge or how you can drink and affect your body that way by drinking maybe to escape or some whatever version of escape that you choose. Maybe you feel some shame or, or if like some kind of like a less than or why God, does this have to be me? I'm trying God, I'm praying God, why haven't you taken this? You see, it's all connected. It's absolutely all connected. And I think we need to start thinking about these things differently. I think we need to see ourselves the way that God actually sees us, what Jesus was actually getting at in Mark chapter 12. I think we need to see all of these parts, that all of it is spiritual. All of it. Your emotional health, your mental health, your physical health, all of it is about your spiritual health. That's actually ultimately what it is all about. You can't kind of isolate and segment and separate each of these things in your life. They're, they're not sort of independent of each other. They are interdependent within each other. That they're actually all connected. But it's not only that they're connected. This is how you were created by God. And see, for, for hundreds and hundreds of years, sadly, I wish this weren't the case, but for hundreds and hundreds of years, I think the church has kind of just missed this one. And lots of times, for lots of places and lots of churches and lots of religions, it's because they didn't have this framework. They didn't have this language. But in some cases, they were, there were churches and religions, and maybe you grew up in one, that, that elevated one of these over the other. And typically, it was usually the mind. Because the thought was, well, if you want to grow in a relationship with God, you got to know a lot of stuff about God. And the only way to grow more is to know more. And so without even maybe realizing it, they perpetuated this sort of self-separation and segmentation and elevated the mind and making sure that you know enough verses and you read your Bible enough and you hear enough sermons and you read some books because you got to know more and your mental health matters more than the rest of these. And when it comes to your emotional health, well, you know, I mean, just like... I don't know, be happy more 
Because good Christians aren't sad. Or, or maybe for you, you know, when it came to your physical health, the idea was there. It's just like, I don't know, just don't do the bad stuff. Don't smoke. Don't drink. Don't do drugs. And don't do that stuff we don't talk about in church. Just don't. Just don't. Just don't. And some churches and some leaders and some theology have even gone as far as to shame women for their physical bodies, gaslighting them that their bodies were why men's minds strayed. You see, we, we've, if we were to do an honest assessment, we've probably done more harm than good because we've seen these as parts and not the whole. And it's not led us anywhere closer to what Jesus said is the single greatest thing, to love all of God with all of who you are. To love all of God with all of who you are. That's what I believe Jesus was actually getting at here. And that's what I've come to find to be true in my own life is that much of our spiritual transformation is really about our spiritual integration. It's bringing all of these things together as one so that we can love God with all of it together as one. Self-segregation does not lead to spiritual transformation. You were created to be connected. You were created to be connected to yourself, to God, and to others. And much of our work is about bringing all of these parts together and seeing them all, not only as spiritual, but vital to loving God and loving others. In essence, what this means from God's perspective, if you were to boil it all down, it's simply this. Your mental health is spiritual health. Your emotional health is spiritual health. Your physical health is spiritual health. They actually, it matters to God. It's spiritual and it matters to God. It's all actually connected. And I, and I can't just care about one at the sake of the whole. I can't just focus on one at the neglect of the rest. I have to see that it's all actually one and it matters to God maybe more than you even know. So I guess, I guess the, the question is coming out of this teaching from Jesus and as we think about how we want to move into this year and all the goals and dreams that we may have or hopes that we may have for this year, but getting this one thing right, I guess the question is if it matters so much to God that you are one and that all of who you are loves all of who God is, I guess the question is does, it, does that matter to you as well? Does it matter to you as well? What if this year, what if you could actually make a shift in the way that you viewed your emotional health? And what if you began to see your emotional health as worship, your mental health as worship, your physical health as worship, a way of bringing all of you, even the parts that may not seem pretty, even the parts that may not seem put together, bringing it all to God? What if you saw that work as holy work that matters to God? And so it should matter to me. I think this is how you love God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. This is how you love God with all of you and from the place from which you get to actually love others. It's when we invite God in to heal and to transform and to grow our emotional self, our mental self, our physical self. And we see each of those not only as significant, but as spiritual. This is what we're actually, this is what we've been going after this whole month. This is how we partner with God in 
the transformation of our lives, our whole lives. Can you imagine what might happen if we actually begin to see it this way and begin to live out that each of these parts of me matters to God and so it should matter to me? Can you imagine what might shift in your life or in your relationships in this coming year if you actually made this kind of reframing shift of how you view yourself? If you did all that you could do to love God with all of who you are, don't you want that for your life? Well, whether you realize it or not, you deserve that for your life. You deserve that for your life. And God desires that for your life. And we want to help partner with you in whatever way we can. And so I want to let you know about a next step. It may not be for everyone, but it may be for you. And it's our House of Hope groups. And you heard Maddie talking about House of Hope earlier. We talk about it a lot. And it's really easy. We've said that from the beginning. The House of Hope is, is not for them, whoever they are. It's for us. It's for all of us, for anyone and everyone who needs hope and healing, hospitality, a place to be seen, to be known, to be loved. And there are House of Hope groups launching in the next two weeks that deal with a lot of what we've been, that, that address and speak to the whole of who you are. There's, there's grief support groups. There's trauma support groups. There's recovery groups wholehearted living for men and for women, all of these groups kind of designed to help you be integrated, to experience spiritual integration, to bring all of those parts to God. And you can actually, if you're interested in being a part of one of those groups, you can sign up, you can go online, you can actually go to our website if you're with us online and get information to sign up for those groups. So we're going to launch those in the next two weeks. I think that might be a huge next step for you. Say, I'm finally going to pay attention to this. I've been thinking that I could ignore this part of my life and kind of keep all the other parts going, but it's all connected and it's all spiritual and it all matters to God. That's one next step. The next is, and this is just a fun one because I've been wanting to give this talk for a while now. And so our team has worked together and we created, I don't know if you see this little shirt, it's just a limited release resource um, that basically says what I've been saying here. Mental health is spiritual health. Emotional health is spiritual health. Physical health is spiritual health. It just says it over and over and over and over and over again. And the reason I love this shirt is because I need to be reminded of that. I just, like, I just need this reminder. And I, I would love to hang out with you all the time and just say those words all to you all over again. But this might be a great way to remind you or to declare that to others. And so if you want to grab that, that's actually available in our first floor lobby. It's a, we only printed a limited number of them. So it's, I don't know, it's drop day for this shirt. So you can grab the t-shirt or sweatshirt if you want to, if you need to be reminded of that or to proclaim that, that truth. You know, there's a, a famous quote from Pierre Teilhard de Chardin who says that, uh, and, th and I've used this once before in a sermon, but I, I was thinking about it differently in this message. He says that we're not physical beings having a spiritual experience. And I love this. We're not physical beings having a spiritual experience. Like, oh, I come to church and I feel spiritual. No, you're a spiritual being who happens to be having a physical experience called life. I love that. And if I could, uh, one, pronounce his name properly, but two, offer some feedback on this quote. Like if I could punch it up a little bit, I might say it a little bit differently. I might say it this way. We're not physical beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having physical experiences and emotional experiences and mental experiences. Yeah. No, sc no. Sc screenshot that. You're going to want... <laughs> How could I not put that on there? I had to do that. But that's the, that's the whole idea of what Jesus is saying here. No, 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 you're created in the image of God and you're going to have emotional and physical and mental experiences, but it's all spiritual and it all matters to God. 
that's how God loves you. That's how we're invited to love God and love others. So I want to pray first towards that. And would you be willing to stand up right now? We're going to pray and then close out our time and worship together, just declaring the goodness of God, his love for each and every one of us, how he cares for us perfectly, wholly and completely. And I love this posture of prayer we take. We open our hands when we pray around here. It's just a way of saying all of me, it's all available to you, God. So if you'd be willing to open your hands right now, I'd love to pray for you as we pray together and then close in worship. God, thank you that it is ultimately, as Jesus said, it's about your love. It's your love. It's your love. It's your love. And out of your love, you created us to love you and to love others. And help us not to forget that. Help us not to miss that. Help us not to complicate it, but help us connect it all together, God. Thank you that you love our emotions. You love our minds. You love our bodies. You made us in your image out of your love. And so now, God, would you help us love all of those parts of who we are as we seek to be whole in you? And then, God, as we do that work, it's not just an end unto itself. May it transform others as it transforms us. May your love at work in every and all aspects of our life find its way into every and all relationships in our life. Thank you, God, that you love us like you do. Help us to love you the same. We pray this in your name. Amen.